This episode of Full Stack Journey is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Start or grow your IT career with online IT training from IT Pro TV, and we have a special offer for Full Stack Journey listeners. Sign up and save 30% off all plans. Visit itpro.tv slash full for 30% off all plans and use promo code FULL at checkout. itpro.tv slash FULL. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Scott Lowe, and my goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and cloud environments. Today's a very special episode. I have multiple guests that are joining me. We are spanning multiple continents, in fact, uh, to bring you this episode, and uh, we are going to be talking about network automation. Now, this is a, uh, a topic that I've revisited here a couple of times on the podcast, but it's been about a year since episode 56, where Ethan Banks and I um, got together to talk about sort of the current state of network automation challenges and problems. And um, with me today on the episode, I have two individuals who are deeply steeped in this space and uh, with whom I am, uh, I have the pleasure of collaborating on a project, which we'll talk about in a moment. But first, let me get my guests to introduce themselves. So first up, Christian, how are you? Fine, thanks. And Scott, so thank you very much for having myself in this podcast today. And in my background, I coming from a network engineering background, mostly for the early stage of my career. And then since a few years ago, I moved into the cloud devops approach network automation for a while and yeah really excited to be collaborating with you today awesome thanks christian i'm uh, so glad to have you here and uh, thank you again for joining if i recall correctly you're joining from uh, spain is that right yeah sure i'm based in barcelona so barcelona one of, the, the, the old continent here one of my one of my favorite cities in europe absolutely one of my favorites um all right been too many years since i visited and also joining Christian and I is uh, Matt. Matt, how are you? Hi, uh, good, Scott. Thanks. I'm Matt Oswalt. I have sort of spanned the gap between traditional software development and um, with a networking focus for most of my career, um, sort of on and off, you know, in the automation space, um, as well as, you know, some, um, some in the weeds networking things uh, sort of earlier on in my career. But I've always enjoyed sort of bridging the gap between the two. And uh, I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. It's good to have you back on the show. I know I've had you on for, I don't know, a couple different episodes, I believe. So um, you're a fantastic guest. Always great to chat with you. I always learn something when I talk with you, which is, which is awesome. Um, so I mentioned briefly that uh, I had the pleasure of collaborating with Christian and Matt on a project. And for those of you that are in the network automation space, you may um, be aware that uh, Matt and and uh, Jason Edelman and I published a book with O'Reilly a few years ago, uh, Network Program Relating Automation. And um, so the project that Christian and Matt and I are collaborating on is actually a second edition of that book. And so I'm really excited that the early release is available for that book. Um, so you can get that. I think that um, I did a blog post about it. Christian did something on uh, a Network to Code site. Um, and uh, I believe Matt may have published something as well. So we'll put links to all those in the 
uh, show notes for those of you interested in going and getting the uh, early release edition, but uh, we're all furiously at work um, creating updates for that. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm due some reviews to uh, some content that the others have written, in fact. So, um, but we want to try and structure today's podcast around network automation sort of in, in, in light of the trends and the forces that have shaped uh, network automation over the last few years uh, and how that and sort of influenced uh, the changes that are coming in the second edition of the book. So before we do that, though, let's let's just take a quick sort of read on what is the current state of network automation. I'd like to hear from each of you like, you know, yeah, it's been an, a year since I did this episode with Ethan, but, you know, things change quickly in the technology field. What are, what are the big trends that you're seeing in network automation? Um, Christian, let's start with you. One of the biggest trends that I'm seeing lately, and I think that is something that everyone is going to agree, is that the network automation space is maturing in a way that big vendors are pushing forward with good content in online, with certifications. All of this is making this, let's say, small ecosystem few years ago, something that is becoming mainstream. So it's more well-known for everyone. And with all this knowledge, people is getting used to that and more and more interesting use cases are coming out. Okay, cool. So the network automation space is maturing. We've got vendors entering with you know actually useful content instead of marketing content. Um, tools are maturing, right? And so people are starting to drive in and or dive in rather and, and begin to use it more and more, more use cases emerging. Matt, what about you? What are you seeing in the industry around network automation? Yeah, I, one of the things that I've noticed over the past few years, especially is is the emphasis on, on reliability for all infrastructure, frankly. Um, even some of the smaller shops have reached a point where it's really impossible to keep track of all of the sort of compliance regulations while also, you know, growing to meet capacity needs. Um, it's just really, really tough to do that without any, any automation at all, not to mention keep it running, you know, with, with a certain amount of reliability. And so I think what a lot of folks are finding is that um, taking on some of the most fragile parts of their operational model and say, look, we just, this is too fraught with danger. We have to do this more consistently. That's been sort of a forcing function for automation. I think also too, the, just the continued adoption of cloud services, um, as, as Scott, you're well aware, uh, any, anything in the, in the cloud space is automated first. Um, there was no quote industry standard CLI in the cloud space, like we've experienced in the network space. And so that, that, that sort of paradigm of automating first sort of has inevitably and, and inexorably leaked itself into all other areas of infrastructure. And so I think that's just going to continue to grow. Yeah, the, the, the continued influence of uh, cloud and in, in sort of all aspects of information technology is definitely a, an influence that cannot be denied. And, and I think it's interesting to, to bring that up um, because what happens is, you know, to your point, Matt, about, you know, cloud being automated from the very beginning right now, this is beginning to expose tools that previously network engineers really didn't have to you know, mess with or worry about, things like Terraform, right? Now bringing that sort of right into their space because, well, that's you know, one of the go-to tools for doing you know, infrastructure as code, which of course is you know, table stakes in, in cloud uh, land these days. So, all right, great. Um, now, before we, we talk about, um, you know, some of the changes that are coming in the second edition of the book that are driven by these trends, right? 
I want us to just quickly touch on like, um, you know, we have a maturing industry, we have maturing tools, we have uh, vendors creating useful content and useful, um, you know, pieces to add on here, but there are still challenges, obviously. So what are some of these challenges and what are some of the things? And I'd like to look at this from sort of two different perspectives, right? First, let's look at it from the perspective of an individual, someone like you or I sitting at their desk, at their computer, and they are responsible for networking. What are the challenges that that individual faces? And then I'd like to revisit it again, sort of with the idea of like, what are the challenges that companies are facing? Because I think there may be some organization level challenges that come about when companies try to adopt uh, uh, network automation. So with that in mind, first, let's talk about the individual. What are individuals facing in terms of challenges adopting uh, network automation? Matt, we'll start with you. In terms of individuals, I think it's probably two, two huge factors when it comes to like challenges adopting this stuff. One of which is uh, there's just an, an insane amount of inertia required to just get started. And I, I understand why. I mean, if, if you think about it, um, you know, you, this sort of goes in a little bit to my, to my second point, but there were, we're so entrenched in a certain way of doing things that when you, when you hear about sort of the operational models that are being um, advocated for, and I've, I've been guilty of doing this, you know, you, you write a blog and you'll say, just come over to the automation side. It's great. Like do all these things. But if you're not living the, that day to day, it's really easy to sort of view that as just hand wavy advice that doesn't necessarily apply to you. So my advice there is, and, and, and uh, we'll touch on this later, but I think one of the, one of the challenges is that people just have trouble getting started. And so I think one of the things that you can do to, to get past that is to start small and, and, Stay practical. Don't don't worry about trying to solve all of the problems on day one. But I think that's a huge challenge: is trying to figure out, sort of mapping that. Um, you know, given you know, if you have no automation experience, what are those really small, um, you know, quick wins that you can get? So I view that as one of the one of the first challenges is identifying that first few steps because it's tough if you've never done this before, um, and and everybody's telling you that you should do you know automate all the things, then it's really really tough to sort of bridge the gap between where you are and where you need to go. The other thing is, um, I think from a skill set perspective, one one thing that's not talked about enough is that the skills involved, many of which we advocate for, sort of in in this uh, in the second edition of the book, we'll, we'll get to shortly. Uh, but even beyond that, uh, these skills are incredibly the, the gap between these skills and sort of the traditional network engineering curriculum. Now, this is changing, of course. We've got companies, you know, like Cisco, sort of changing their messaging around this, but that's just that's very nascent. Um, I think I think for a large to the large extent, the the average network engineer's skill set is very very different from what we again talk about when we talk about a you know sort of an automated operational model. And I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is that it's okay if you feel like there's a massive gap uh, between where you are today and and where you need to go because there is it's true. Uh, but that's okay. That's sort of where everybody you know starts from. And uh, certainly one of the things we're trying to do is help make that gap smaller. But I think that's a huge challenge. You 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 sort of get. I think people have a sense, a, a correct sense, that you know, if you if you spent your your entire career, you know, typing CLI commands into a box, you know, box by box basis, and you start hearing about all these different tools, many of which are were invented in the past three years, um, it's daunting. And there's nothing wrong with feeling that way because it's just reflecting reality. So I think that's another big challenge. Yeah, yeah, those are great points, everyone. You know, we, we've all heard that that saying, you know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, right? And we use that to tell people like, hey, it's okay that there's this big gap, you know, just take a small step, right? But like, what is 
the first step that I should take. Even if I'm only going to take one step, what is that step, right? Um, so it's a great point, and 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 feeling overwhelmed certainly is is another one. Um, Christian, I know you're you know sort of involved like very deeply in network automation. You're out there helping customers do this on a day to day basis. You're in the trenches. Um, you know, what about you? What are you seeing on an individual basis? You know, for individual practitioners, what are the things that are that are tripping them up as they try to embrace network automation? Totally. Uh, one of the things that I believe that I have, let's say, experienced before in my own person developing these kind of solutions for a end project and now like working together with different engagements, with different perspectives from network to code consulting. What we are noticing, especially difficult for people, as Matt already mentioned, is the overwhelming work that is in front of you to transition. And especially for people that are coming from a strong networking background where they are subject, subject matter experts. So they are comfortable with their job. They feel appreciated by their work, by their knowledge. And at this point, they see that to still be relevant, they have to be in the cloud. They have to automate the network to keep the pace of the other people around the company. So one of the main challenges from my perspective to make this happen and align with the topic from the question from Matt is about from all the topics that are a lot of them, how do you choose the ones that are more important for you? Because when before getting to this decision, you have to understand a bit of everything get an overall vision of, every, of all of these things. When you have an overall vision of all these topics, that you, then is the moment that you have to jump into one technology that is the one that is better to solve the special needs that you have. I think that this is something that in the book we try to cover. We, have, we want to give an overall view of all the topics that are in this ecosystem space. And then it's up to everyone to choose the, the path, choose which is the journey for them to go deep in a specific technology because maybe it's in the it's the one that all other departments in the company are using but this starting point is always really difficult to 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 make, to make make it happen and the other question regarding to the everything is automated these days this is the reality so when you bring a hybrid network virtual functions cloud all together the other challenge that also comes with the maturity of the ecosystem is the complexity of all the different blocks, all the different parts of these um, solutions. Because a solution is not a simple script that does one thing. A network automation solution, most of the times, is a complex architecture of different blocks that do different things together. And the challenge is how you connect all these dots, how you bring something that is going to change the state of the network, how you explain the to this tooling, which is your intended state, and then how you verify when you do a change that this is in sync with your expectations. One thing that we will try to address in this new edition is this part. Understand everything as a whole, and then try to give you a good hints to understand how these different functions can be connected together for you to get kind of a north step about how you could approach these kind of problems. Now, since you mentioned the book, which is fine, let's 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 sidebar real quick here and talk about some of the changes that are in the second edition that were added specifically to address some of these things that you have both just mentioned, right? You know, the original edition of the book 
touched on a lot of different topics that Matt and Jason and I felt were appropriate at the time. And obviously, you know, technology marches on, things evolve. Um, you know, from, from your perspective, Christian, we'll start with you. Like, you know, what, what sort of change are you seeing in the second edition of the book that you think really targets that sort of, you know, that space in terms of like challenges that individuals are facing, right? Um, if you had to pick one change, I know there's lots of things that we're adding to the book, but if you had to pick one thing out of the book that we've added to the second edition, what, what would that be that's sort of you feel is like really helping with that challenges that the individuals are facing? Exactly. Just linking to my previous comment, I think that one of the topics that we are tackling specifically in this book is to help the readers with a reference architecture that doesn't try to overcomplicate things or be too, too much academic. It's more to understand what are the different functions, blocks that a network automation solution have from the user perspective or other integrations and connecting to the network and taking into account all the different boundaries of these tasks. So what are the expectations of these tasks, the constraints, potential tools that you can use to implement all of these things. So this topic is one of the things that I believe that is going to help a lot the readers just to get a reference because at the end, one way to approach automation that we usually discourage about is starting with the tool. So the tool is always the end, is the, a way that you are going to implement some of the functionalities that your network automation solution requires. But before choosing the tool or choosing which functionalities of a specific tool you are going to use, first you have to understand the solution as a whole. So we will try to give good examples, a good overview of potential solutions that fill in every part of this space. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So it's kind of, you know, you've got all these different options that we have to plug in together. So the idea of adding sort of an example reference architecture of saying, these are the different components that you could essentially put together, or these are the things that you should be evaluating, putting together to create a network automation solution, um, I think will be valuable for, for readers of the book. Hey, Ethan here, interrupting this podcast for a word from IT Pro TV. IT Pro TV is online technical training to help you start or grow your IT career. And what are those career options right now in 2022? Tons of them. For instance, cybersecurity with more than 500,000 open cybersecurity roles. You could become a cybersecurity professional with online training from IT Pro TV. Or maybe security is not your thing. No problem. IT Pro TV has you covered with all sorts of courses from across the IT spectrum from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft. In fact, there are more than 5,800 hours of on-demand training presented to you by engaging hosts who deliver the information in a talk show-like format. The instructors are live every day with shows going studio to web in 24 hours. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role, so you can find whatever you're looking for easily. You can also learn from wherever you're at on whatever platform you like to consume media with. Stream IT Pro TV's courses live and on demand from anywhere via Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and get a great job with IT Pro 
TV. Visit itpro.tv slash full for 30% off all plans and use promo code full at checkout. That is itpro.tv slash full and use promo code full at checkout. One more time, itpro.tv slash full and then use that promo code full at checkout to save 30% off all plans. And now back to Full Snack Journey with Scott Lowe. Matt, from your perspective, you know, pick out one change in the book uh, in the second edition, something that we've added that you feel like really, you know, hits this head on. What's what's going to help practitioners uh, uh, trying to embrace network automation today? Like the biggest thing that stands out to me is actually sort of a, a single theme that runs through most of the new content, which is that the network automation space clearly has matured to some extent. Um, part of that naturally is going to involve a sort of widening of the technology, like the technology landscape that you need to be aware of and be skilled in. But also at the same time, the depth in each of those things continues to increase. And so it's just just more. Um, we, we see this, you know, when, when we talk about like the new, some of the new uh, chapters, we got a brand new chapter on network development environments, because we're now sort of showing this, this, uh, you know, this idea of, of, a, of, a, of a professional who's enti- whose job is entirely working on um, sort of network software development. Um, uh, we, we've got new topics. I mean, so we, we had a chapter on uh, Python, um, which was, uh, you know, just one, one chapter in the book, uh, but we've, we've continued to add content to that. We've, we've added a second chapter on Go. So sort of the same perspective, like you need to write code to do automation, but here's another option to do that. And so we're just broadening that. Uh, that portfolio. Then we go deep. We've added sort of more modern data models, gRPC APIs, as well as you know sort of protobuf and things like that. Like it's just kind of just more everywhere. And so I think the 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 trend that we're reflecting is that the industry is 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 continuing to evolve the the set of technologies that it considers to be core to the discipline, and we're really just trying to reflect that. Perfect. Maybe we should tell O'Reilly that the tagline for the book needs to be more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, coming back to um, this earlier topic of challenges that things are facing, I want us to talk about that again, but more from an organizational perspective, right? As an individual working in network engineering and network engineering development um, and, and trying to do network automation, you know, that's fine. There's a set of challenges and we've talked about that, but often there are challenges that are faced at sort of an organizational level, right? Um, they require changes in process or changes in procedure or changes in organization, perhaps, right? In terms of, you know, structure, teams, that sort of thing. Um, you know, from from your experience in the industry, you know, what what sort of, what's one of the challenges that you, that organizations face at that level? And, and Matt, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, and it's probably, you know, been a few years since I've been in this kind of environment, but I know they're extremely common, um, which is that, you know, IT is generally viewed as a cost center. You know, you want to, you know, invest not necessarily little as possible, but sort of the, the money that you invest in IT is, is there to, you know, to keep the lights on to some extent and also to, you know, provide basic services so that you can still be competitive as a business, but in the 21st century. Um, and so that, that tends to make investment in sort of newfangled uh, operational models and technologies a little, little hard, a little more difficult. Um, the success that I've seen is when automation is centered around the idea of making the infrastructure more reliable. Um, that's the, that's the way that, that you can sort of, uh, sort of center the, the sort of the reason for being around infrastructures. Like our job is to be more reliable. Automation helps us get there, but that's, that is a big challenge. That's not an easy thing to do. Certainly with large companies, with, with 
many times multiple IT teams uh, that, that don't always communicate properly. Uh, that's, that's just really tough. Um, so just getting, getting across this message that the that automation is, is going to, you know, facilitate higher, higher measures of reliability is, is just not an easy message to get across. Certainly not, certainly not quickly. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Christian, what about you? What do you think? For me, there are two important topics in this area. And the first one is something that we are in, in Letter to Code every day. We are trying to show the value of the network automation solutions that we are helping to build. And especially in one thing that we usually lack from the technical perspective is that we are not fully focused sometimes. It's, I'm talking by myself more on technical aspects to highlight what is the actual value of the network automation solution outcome. So we are not providing the right metrics to the, we have to provide the metrics for the operators, for the architects, for the upper management, just to show in each one of the, of the point of view, what you are actually solving. Maybe in some cases you can show how many network space are you saving. On the other uh, approach, you have to show maybe with the execution of this network automation workflow, how many time you have saved, or just at the end of the, the quarter, just show how many reliability issues you have done, or not, not issues, because at the end you have to just track the record of issues that you got on configuration pushes and just show a, a descending trend. So all this kind of information that will help others to understand the value of these solutions. So this is something that we try to include implicitly in all the network automation solutions in, in all the deployments. And another point that I think that is kind of a, a mandatory thing for every IT department that has network responsibilities is that leading or just following the leadership of the software development people that started this trend two years ago, everyone today is used to even networking people is used to consume IT services as code or as a service, everything as a service. So if you imagine this concept into a traditional data center network, you will identify in your workflows a lot of waste time because there are some manual operations, all these kinds of things, all this speed to market or time to market in a lot of things together with the reliability and all these kind of important requirements, security are the points where automation shows, shines, brings the value to the, to the people around, upper management and also the people in operations. So the common theme that I'm hearing from both of you is really like, and this is not unique to the networking space, I believe, but the common theme that I'm hearing is really that, you know, we need to be showing, we as IT professionals need to be showing the business the value that we are delivering in some fashion, whether it's increasing reliability as, as the, you know, the, the theme or the, you know, the message, whether it's reducing cost, if that's, a, you know, an option, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, enabling, you know, faster time to market, but we need to be showing the business, hey, there's a reason why we're doing this. Um, and, and here's what that is. And we need to do a good job of sort of out, out you know, explaining what that reason is, right? Does that, does that sound fair? You guys want to weigh in on my interpretation? Yeah. In other, in other words, automation doesn't save you from KPIs. Sorry to say. <laughs> fair enough. I think you're right, though. Like, that's exactly right. Uh, Christian hit it, 
hit the nail on the head. You got to come with data if you're gonna if you're gonna justify the expense the expense of what you're putting in. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So now I don't know if, and I, I'm just curious to hear what what you all think. Like, we wrote the book primarily towards the pr- practitioner, right? Talking about all these different technologies. But I'm wondering if 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 someone acquires the book, you know, do you think there's anything in the book that would actually help them sort of think about these higher level pieces, right? Is there something that actually encourages them to help um, think about the organization level challenges? And, and you know, I suppose it's fine if the answer is no, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Matt, you want to jump in? I mean, do you think there's content in the book that actually helps people kind of think about it differently in that, in that respect or? Yeah, I think so. I think we, it, the, the book is, I would say, probably 80% focused on very specific technical, practical skills, but there definitely is um, at least a chapter or two that focuses a little bit more on what you're what you're talking about, which is sort of how to think differently about these things. I, I mean, I would say probably maybe even two to three explicit chapters um, on on that kind of thing, uh, attack, tackling that from, from various angles. But I, uh, to be honest, I would also say that even in the chapters uh, that are dealing with very specific topics... Um, it's, it, you know, for those chapters, and this is true for, for both editions, really, I think we did a pretty good job of not sort of at the beginning of the chapter saying, okay, hang up your brain, ha- hang up your critical thinking, let's let's learn the syntax of this thing, and then you can resume critical thinking afterwards. We make it very practical, I think, throughout the book. So I think if you, um, re- regardless of sort of what kind of specific technical skills you're, get, you're trying to get out of the book, um, the sort of the shift in mindset that's required to be able to consume these skills, I think, is woven throughout. So there's really there's really no one one bad way to go to go through the book. Got it. Christian, what do you think? Yeah, totally. I think that in, in the book, it's simplicity in all the chapters, this idea of showing the, the pros and cons because technologies can change from time to time. But we try to we try to show why are the pros and cons or on the approaches sometimes more than on the tool because as we said, from the first edition to the second, there, there will be some changes and most of them additions, but we also drop some of, of the content. And I still remember, and this is actually uh, a curious thing because I was a reader on the first edition of the book. And I remember that for me it was good to get an overall understanding of tools that maybe I was not used to, to work in my day-to-day. So it gave me a good understanding of what it was it about. And in approach that is easy to jump in and to follow. So it's easy to understand. Maybe you are not going to go super, super deep on a topic. You have other options to extend from that. But at least you are going to understand what are the potential usage of all of these things. And especially uh, across all, all the all the different chapters of the book, there are some important changes on the approach of network automation not only tackling the automation side of things, because something that is really important for automating is that you have a really simple network. As simpler the network is, easier, as easier will be the automation side of things. So, and also to define your intent in a way that is not a, a, a lot of text, uh, CLI comments, that is more about what is your actual intent of this protocol behavior to, to do. So then you express in a language that you own and you understand, and then the work of the automation is just to translate this and to make it scale out. All of these things are related in all the different chapters of the book. And I think that we, we did a really good job in all of them. So here, here's a trick question I didn't prepare you guys in advance for. So let's let's think of a, of a standard sort of you know, network engineer and uh, you know, they go and they pick up the book. Uh, what one topic out of the book that, that 
from, you know, not necessarily something new added to second edition, but just in the book in general, um, person hasn't read the book before they pick it up. Um, what do you think they're going to be most surprised in terms of content to find in there? Christian, what about you? What do you think? For me, something that, as I remember myself a few years ago when I jumped into network automation from network architecture, the concept of the source of truth or, or the intent state. Uh, aside of the technical details about the data structure, the models, the interfaces, these are things that maybe, uh, as an example, when you talk about NetCom, GNMI, you can see some similarities with SNMP. So you are used to this part of the technology. There are always some changes, but there are you understand the pros and cons. But the difference about understanding that before changing the network, you have to really define in a way that a machine can understand your intent. This was something that took my attention and was something that was really important because then from this idea of the source of truth, of the intent state of the network, how the network should look like, then a lot of challenges came from this. So how you understand who is the owner of this data, how data can make it consistent, how you normalize the data, how you validate all these things. So for me, this was like opening a complete new bunch of topics to, to, to understand and to solve. Okay, cool. What about you, Matt? What, what do you think, you know, standard, quote unquote, traditional network engineer picks up the book, what are they going to be surprised to find inside? So one of the, when I was answering a lot of questions, like sort of people would come up to me and ask sort of, where do I get started? What, what is the biggest skill to learn? Um, a lot of times my advice would, would be just to get started, which sounds sort of like a cop-out answer, but there's a really important reason for it. And, and I think the thing that will surprise the, the sort of traditional network engineer the most about the book isn't one particular concept necessarily. I think if you look at the table of contents, you can kind of be like, okay, I've heard of that term. I can kind of vaguely get a sense for why that might be applicable. I don't know much about it, but I just sort of sense that like the subject is relevant, but I think the, the, and this has been true whenever, whenever I look at any sort of like, uh, you know, automation journey from the beginning, it's so easy to sort of view a lot of these topics as just um, an unordered list of crap I got to learn. Um, and, you know, you just got to get through it. And then only once you get through it, do you achieve mastery and uh, automation nirvana and what have you. But the reality is, and anybody that's been on the other side of it will tell you that these subjects are all very interrelated in a very hierarchical way. It's not to say you can't skip around, but um, when you, when you, when you sort of take a step back after you're sort of past the point of, of, you know, being a beginner at this stuff and you look back, you're like, well, it probably would have been helpful if I'd have learned this first because sort of this other topic sort of refers back to it and whatnot. I think the thing that a network engineer with it, with a, with no background in all of this would be surprised by is uh, sort of what topics they might want to learn first. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of people, you know, and probably good reasons for this. I think I did the same thing. They jump into learning a tool. They learn how to use a given tool because they heard on a blog or on a podcast that it solves their problem. But then they struggle because they didn't understand sort of the fundamentals of, say, the data model that that tool uses. And so even though it would sort of create larger distance from the outset between where you are and where you want to be, it actually would make your learning journey a little bit smoother. And then you would have better mastery once you got there. So I think if you pay attention to the 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 not necessarily the order of the of the chapters, although I, I would say the order of the chapters is is highly relevant to what I'm talking about. The thing that you'll be surprised by is as you read between the lines, understanding the topics in which is sort of the order in which we present them 
really does help you um, help streamline your learning. Now you could skip around. You don't certainly, you certainly don't have to follow the order. Um, but I think understanding the interrelation between these topics will be sort of revelatory for a lot of folks. Mm, okay. That's interesting. I, uh, I mean, what, what you're both saying absolutely makes sense. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I, I, I just, I, I, my, my initial guess would have been that one of you would have said, Oh, it's the Terraform content we had it because like typically, you know, Terraform is not something that, you know, your kind of standard CLI toting network engineer ends up having to work with, right? Or it's the public cloud content that we add or something like that. But, but your, your answers are far better than what I had in mind. So that's good. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, as we're getting ready to draw to a close, uh, I want to wrap up. One of, my, one of my goals with the podcast is always to be very practical, very actionable. Like, you know, what is something practical that a listener can take away from the show, right? Um, I think, uh, you know, with that in mind, we've talked a little bit about, you know, getting started and kind of knowing where to get started, that sort of thing. But if we could offer one piece of advice, something very practical, very actionable, very, you know, like, hey, this is something that I can walk away with right now and actually put to action in my environment. You know, what would you tell a networking professional who is just getting started with their network automation journey? Like, what is that one piece of advice? And and I'll just go ahead and 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 say right now, you know, obviously the one piece of advice would be to go buy the second edition of the book. But aside from that, what is that one piece of advice? Christian, let's start with you. What is that one piece of advice that you would tell a network professional getting started on their automation journey? What 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 are you going to tell them? For me, this is a really easy, easy it has a really easy answer. My biggest advice would be just to look inside himself. What I'm trying to say is. With network automation, you can just try to imagine big and see and think that you can do everything. And as you said, you can go through book uh, to the book and understand all the topics. But the first thing that you have to ask yourself is all the knowledge, all the best practices that you already have for making really solid and performance networks, that you have a really well-established best practices, workflows, all these things. Just take this as a starting point and then try to. I think like pie on the sky. So what you would like to do if you had all the superpowers of the of the world in your hands and you will try to make this run in a maybe something that is not doable for you today, but imagine that you can do it in a really automated way. So all the steps, all the workflow that you have today, all the things that are maybe blockers for you or something that is not the most efficient or where you see some improvement that maybe is not doable today because technical scalability limitations that you cannot review 1,000 devices in one hour because it's not possible to do. So all these kind of things, I would recommend to think big. Think, imagine that you have all the skills, all the tooling, all the capabilities that in some way will be available for you later when you go through the journey. And then you will have to convince yourself that learning starting on these technologies at some point in this journey you will be starting to solve some of these steps not all of them at the same time for sure but at least when you understand that one of your workflows has eight steps that you have to reproduce and maybe the step number two is taking two hours from your time and it happens every day then you get the motivation i think that Usually, the first thing you have to get is the motivation. And the motivation starts understanding how you can transform all your knowledge 
and make your knowledge scale. So I always like this idea to scale your knowledge and have more impact because this is going to benefit your career and eventually and, and the company that you are working on. So this is the starting point for me. Then when you have clearly defined why do you want to do this, you have then multiple options. As, and I will recommend, as I said before, starting with something generalist, general. I mean, not go super deep in one technology because maybe it's not the best one for your environment. So I will try to go start with beginner, intro, uh, documentation, podcast, book, website, all these kind of things, but more in a general way that present you the different options to get you an overall idea of what's around uh, in this space. And then you will choose which is the actual tooling implementation that you will have to work on later. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. At first, it seemed like what you were recommending to me you know, we always tell people, hey, don't try to boil the ocean, right? Don't try to do everything at once. And, and so you're talking about having this vision. But so I thought like, you know, that's an interesting, it's kind of runs counter to what, you know, most people would say, right? Uh, start small. But at, then as I began to think more about what you're saying, it really kind of strikes me more as begin with the end in mind, um, you know, which is a common thing among productivity sort of gurus or whatever. But like when you start, have that vision at the end of what you're trying to get to in mind and, and have that guide your journey through you know all these things you're going to learn which i think is actually probably a really good idea yeah yeah because doing like this the the point is that on this journey where you are gonna uncover some hidden information for you you will start uh connecting the the, the dots with all with this tool i could make this happen so you are just getting the there is always the the risk to go to 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 too many things to too many topics at the same time. So this is the point for me. If you understand what do you want to solve, then starting maybe with the most popular tooling or content, you will start with the first point. But my recommendation is that when you start with this tool, with this topic, don't spend too much on that. I mean, just understand how it works, what it can solve for you, and then try to uncover other things because maybe for your specific purpose, there are other valid options that are even better for you. And maybe if you spend all your time in one tool at the beginning, you are going to lose all of them. Yep. Yep. No, that's fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something to consider. Matt, what about you? Yeah. I, um, I still remember the feeling of building an automated solution that solved some kind of immense operational pain, either for myself or for others. Um, and so even just on a personal note, uh, I would say, you know, follow the pain, basically. Uh, at, like every organization has, uh, it, it, from an individual basis, as well as like the whole, the whole you know, IT org, basically. They, they, everybody has that one thing that always breaks or that one thing that always needs X, Y, Z done to it every day or else the whole thing falls to, you know, falls down. Um, you know, if you... If you wear a pager, you know this. Uh, if you don't wear a pager, go find the guy that wears a guy or, guy or gal that wears a pager. Um, uh, I dealt with it yesterday. Uh, this is is just universally true when you're operating any sort of infrastructure. There's there's always that that pain that needs to be solved and can be could you know could be solved by an automated means. So I would say like start with that. The the uh, and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be big. It can be something very very simple, um, especially in um, this is frankly, probably more encouraging to folks who have no automation um, in their environment because 
the sort of world's your oyster. You can kind of choose which problems you want to tackle in the manner you want to tackle them. So um, just follow the follow the pain points and, and understand that, um, you know, you sort of have the pick of the litter. And sort of just to piggyback a little bit on what Christian said, keep in mind that the that the especially the early solutions you put in place, um, they will not last. They will be replaced. Be okay with that. Um, uh, that's just a natural part of everything. Um, uh, but the the important thing is the the learning that you uh, that you sort of get from that in the process. That's the really important thing. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Great. Well, we are coming up on, uh, you know, the end of our time together, uh, which is a shame because I'm really enjoying talking with both of you. Um, but let's um, let's just close out real quick. Uh, you know, if you want to share with listeners sort of, you know, if they're interested in connecting with you online, uh, if you want to share, you know, social media or blog uh, URL or anything like that, um, that would be great. Uh, uh, Matt, where can listeners find you online if they're interested in connecting with you? Yeah, um, mostly, I mean, I tweet every once in a while, but uh, I'll, I'll tweet at Mirden, M-I-E-R-D-I-N. Uh, and then I have a blog at oswalt.dev. Okay, awesome. Christian, what about you? If folks want to connect with you online, is there a, a place where they can do so? Yeah, sure. I spent maybe most of my, my content I, I share in LinkedIn at christian.adell. I know that it's difficult to pronounce my surname in, from Catalan to, 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 to English. But and in, in Twitter is C-H-A-D-E-L-L and zero. C-H-A-D-L dot zero. So I spend most of my content I share there. And also from time to time in the Network to Code blog, I also share about some topics. And in the near time, I will publish something about architecture and this kind of topic that I am interested in. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, uh, listeners will have links to, you know, their social media profiles and stuff in uh, the show notes. So feel free to connect with Christian and Matt. Um, I'm really, really thankful and appreciative that Christian and Matt were both able to get on and talk about the second edition of the Network Programmability Automation book. It's on the way. Again, early release available right now. Um, this is, you know, the quote unquote rough cuts edition, right? It's uh, not been fully edited and polished and not all the content's there, but you can get an idea of what's going on with it. Um, so we encourage you, if you are um, in the space where you need to uh, look at some of these technologies, we, we think you'll find the book to be a useful resource. Um, and uh, once again, I want to thank listeners for uh, joining me. Uh, that's it for this episode. And um, I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode or any episode of the podcast. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can reach out uh, via Twitter. The podcast handle on Twitter is at FSJ Podcast. Or you can contact me, Scott Lowe, your host, directly is at Scott underscore low. Either way is fine. This has been the Full Stack Journey podcast where too much learning is never enough. <laughs>